0: chats from the blog cabin
1: your favorite podcast is here
2: Uh, Welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know, the show where I virtually invite people into the blog Cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa. You know who I am. I'm your host. And today we're joined by Whitney. Whitney wrote the book, The Working Mom's Blueprint. So you know what today is going to be all about. It's going to be all about working moms. So welcome to the show, Whitney. And tell us a little about yourself before we get into your book.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am a pediatrician practicing pediatrician in Portland, Oregon. And so I do that throughout the week and I get to see patients and support moms that way. And then I also am the founder and CEO of Modern Mommy Doc and the Modern Mamas Club, where we virtually support moms and have a whole resource video library for them, ways for them to interact with other moms and really try to make it Not just about how do you be a great employee or professional Mm -hmm. or a great mom, but also how do you maintain some sense of self along the way? How do you not lose yourself as a
2: working mom? That is so true because I think a lot of moms lose lose their self, their identity, and it's all wrapped up into becoming a mom. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, for sure. And that happened with me. Absolutely. Even as a pediatrician who had guided other moms along the way, who had seen kind of, you know, been able to, to give book advice before I had my own kids of this is what you should do to take care of yourself. Once I had my own, she was really difficult. And I understood full well then the challenge of having someone who really needed me and also a profession that really needed me but feeling like i was kind of lost and empty inside you know i was getting a lot done but i never felt very satisfied or content at the end of the day and that's a story that i hear from most moms that i work with that they have this this sense of all their check boxes are done they've made all their appointments they they on paper looks so great. But then when it comes to their soul and how they're doing,
2: it's not so great on the inside. So what made you decide to write The Working Mom's Blueprint?
1: You know, I think that most people who go through a really difficult time in their life and learn some pearls from it, that they have this sense inside themselves of like, I have to share this with other people. I have to share this I have to not just keep this for myself. And the more that I talked about my own struggles with the parent moms that I would see in my clinic, the more I found that we all shared a common struggle and that we all felt this deep sense of inner conflict, of feeling like you're being pushed and pulled in multiple directions. And so As I talked to them, I would share my stories, they would share their stories, and I realized there's a commonality here, and that really I need to kind of share my survival story of how I managed to create more of a framework for myself with other moms so that could be really helpful. And then the American Academy of Pediatrics came along and said, you know, we see that you're helping moms, that you care about that a ton. Obviously you're an expert because you're a pediatrician, and what we'd love to do is marry that advice that you have for moms, With some really grounded, expert, evidence-based advice about how to care for kids and what are kind of the essential things that moms who are working need to know to make sure their kids thrive from a physical standpoint and also from a mental health
2: standpoint. So what are some of the essential things? Name a few. Number one is that social emotional development
1: for kids and creating a lot of stability and a lot of connection and attunement with our kids. So, you know, our kids could, you know, not have a fancy birthday party. Our kids could not reach the top ranks of academics. Our kids could never be the star soccer player. Those things don't matter at all. All honestly, Um, we want our kids to have experiences where they they get to explore life, where they get to find Mm -hmm. things that they love, things they're compassionate or that they're passionate about. But really, what matters the most is that they know that they have adults in their lives who are in their corner and who are going to be that firm but loving. Presence in their lives, and so working moms can do that just like anybody else can. And in fact, working moms are amazing at being an example of, and at helping to coach their kids to be really resilient. Which is in pediatrics, like the number one thing that we want kids to be is resilient. To be able to grow up to be adults, right? Contributing, grounded, assured adults. So that's number one as one of the most important things we can do. The second thing we can do is to guide our kids in terms of making sure they have nutrition that's going to be supportive for them, that Mm -hmm. they have adequate sleep, that we understand their development because so much of parenting is about our own egos or Mm -hmm. our own worries or our own experiences playing in with our kids. but in our mind, that's what it is. But really, a lot of what happens for our kids is about what's going on for them inside their brains, what they're capable of handling, how they express themselves from a developmental standpoint. And so really having a solid foundation for that as a parent is super, super helpful. So that's, that's number two. And then lastly, it's, how to parent with a co parent. You know, if you have a partner that lives in your home with you, or if you co parent with someone if you're separated or divorced and they live in another home, making sure that you are coming alongside that person and that you all are sharing responsibilities, that there's Because for our kids, gosh, that matters right now that they see that. But it also matters for me. I know for my two daughters, it matters that they see an example of that so that when they grow to be older, that that's what they expect in their relationships as well.
2: That is so true. I love the resilient resiliency part because these kids growing up now, they were experiencing a pandemic that nobody else in their generation has experienced. Nobody else is on earth has experienced. So yeah. let's talk about being resilient during a pandemic. Oh my gosh.
1: So difficult. You know, um, first, let's talk about what resilience is not right uh, for adults and for kids. Resilience is not a slapping on a happy face and saying, everything's going to be fine. And, I'm going to feel mad at myself if I get sad or down or disappointed with things um, or if my expectations do not meet up with my reality. Um, For all of us, the past year and a half has been an exercise in coming to grips with life's not always fair, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not that. It's not being happy all the time, joyful all the time. Um, It is. Coming to terms with our emotions, really accepting our emotions and understanding what those emotions are that we have of loss, of sadness, of fear, Um, and then moving on to then problem solving and finding solutions, even if they're short term solutions that aren't going to fix the pandemic, but they're going to help us to be able to cope. And then longer term solutions that are goals or things that we're going to learn from this that we're going to carry forward. The best example that I have for this is my daughter. She has a severe anxiety disorder at the height of the pandemic back in probably June, July, last year. Um, I mean, we had times where she said, like, I don't really understand why life is worth living. Everything's canceled and closed and, you know, not available to me. And I don't understand. And And my instinct as a mom, of course, is I want to protect my little baby is to say, everything's going to be fine. And let me find you some experiences that will make it all better right now. But instead, I tried my best actually to really sit with my daughter in that emotion and to even join with her to say, you're absolutely right. There's not a lot to be excited about right now okay, let's sit here. I feel that same way with you. You are not alone. I think that matters so much as a parent. And then slowly after she had the time to sit with that emotion to say, is there any small thing you think you could do that could make you better or that can make you feel like you have some purpose right now? She started doing a ton of art um, and she also started with, in Portland, we have a huge um, homeless problem. She started doing a lot of actually like advocacy and Black Lives Matter stuff where Mm -hmm. she would create posters and and she would go and help like in a community garden. And that ability to kind of turn this deep sadness and loss from her regular routine into something amazing, gosh, she'll carry that forever with her. Mm -hmm. And I hope that when life gets tough for her, when she gets older, which it will, because it does for all of us, Mm -hmm. she'll come back to this experience of I was having a very rough moment
2: and I am strong enough to get through really hard things. I love the fact that you said I love all that, but I particularly like the fact when you said sit with the emotion, to sit Mm -hmm. with it for a minute. Because a lot of people when emotions come up, they tend to suppress them and push them down and not want to acknowledge they're even there. Okay, I think we lost her for a minute. Yeah, so. that's true.
1: I mean, I think. Oh, I'm back. Yep, I think that you know, um, in prior generations, and like no shade to generations that came before us as parents, but I think that in prior generations, that parents really didn't understand that saying like it's gonna be fine, stop crying, you know, get over mm-hmm. it, like buck up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That helps in the immediate moment to help someone just like get up and keep going. But that actually you have to go through an emotion to fully get over it, right? Mm -hmm. All that did was kind of put a Band-Aid on it, push it down. But we know that with emotions, it has to go somewhere. So when kids are feeling off, when they're feeling sad, when they're feeling anxious, when they don't have a chance to release some of that emotion, Mm -hmm. either – Through talking about it or through a healthy expression like art or exercise or crying it out, that type of thing, it stays within them and it bubbles up in some other way. Um, In our stomachs, it creates something called hydrochloric acid. It gives kids stomach aches. In our brains, it suppresses dopamine release and it makes it so that we are sadder over time. It gives kids headaches. It gives me migraines when I suppress my emotions, right? So we know that emotion has to go somewhere. And my gosh, I would so much rather for my kids, let them sit with it for a small amount of time then have to have them live with it for their entire lives if they don't get a release valve on those emotions.
2: Mm -hmm. So a small amount of time, what amount of time do you suggest? You know, I I think it's kind of as long as it takes, right? So that's kind of, um,
1: it's like in therapy, right? (laughs) Someone will sit with you and say, yeah, you're still sad. Okay, why do you think that is? Huh, I wonder if this is the reason why you're feeling that way. I also wonder if seeing a friend might make you Feel better, you know. Um, I don't think there's any prescriptive amount of time, but like all of us have probably experienced with our kids, it just depends on the kid, right? Um, My almost five year old, my toddler, she's upset. She doesn't get to wear her bathing suit to camp today, you know. Um, She's going to be upset about that, and she's going to be crying for three minutes while I say, okay, I can either put you in the car or you can get into the car, right? She's upset that entire time. And I'm there saying, I know you really want to wear your swimsuit to art camp, but it can't happen. That's not part of the rules. I understand. You feel really sad. Mama's putting you in the car and we're going to drive. She's over it in like five minutes once we get some good music going in the car, right? So that's one example. My older daughter, I really had to sit with her and have that be part of her emotion for for a month. You know, I mean she she continued to feel sad and um I wasn't going to let her deepen down in it. I made sure we had time for sunshine and that I told her we have to move every single day and you know, I continued to have her meet up with friends at a distance to try to not worsen it and to try to slowly make it better. But I actually didn't put a timeline on it because I think if I had that would have actually pushed her to feel a lot of extra pressure to get over something when really she just needed her own time to do it.
2: I love that. So, right now we have to take a brief commercial break, but then we'll be right back. Chats from the Blog Cabin.
0: Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. Chats
1: from the Blog Cabin. Subscribe and
0: don't miss miss the the next next episode. episode. Hi, it's Gail Priest, and I'm here celebrating the fifth anniversary of the publication of Antichronal Moonrise, which was a semifinalist for the Kindle Book Awards. This is the last book in my anachronal trilogy, and to celebrate our fifth birthday, we're putting all of the eBooks on sale. So I'd like to read a little section from the first chapter of Moonrise. Liam was wrenched from his thoughts and back to the East Bay charity race when someone shoved directly between him and the couple with the children to his right. The intruder was Parkham in, who made no eye contact with anyone now. His gaze fixated on the bleachers across the street. The hair on the back of Liam's neck stood on end. Shit. No way. Not now. Not here. Kellbells rang only a block away. The riders were bearing down, their legs pumping like pistons. Sweat cleared tracks of dirt from Parker Man's face, and he was panting like a cyclist pushing up a steep climb. Not with all these innocent people around, for God's sake. Liam glanced around for an instant. He couldn't believe. No one else was seeing what he was. Didn't make any sense, but Liam understood what was about to happen. His eyes shot down to locate the man's hands. The left hand remained buried in his coat pocket. Parker Mann lurched down and darted under the barrier, he began rushing across the course toward the bank officials and drew Bidwell. There were too many fans pressing up against Liam. He couldn't jump over the barricade and was forced to duck under in pursuit. The chanting of Breezy's name and the clanging of the cowbells surged to a crescendo as the two lead riders made their appearance well ahead of the peloton. Drew cheered as his granddaughters barreled into view. He was surprised Gemma hadn't dropped off after her sister sprinted. The crowd went wild when Breezy seemed to launch ahead. Drew studied the move carefully. Breezy was about to win because Gemma had backed off. While pondering this, Drew became aware of a man dashing onto the course and heading directly for the bleachers. Liam tore after the intruder and tackled him just as Breezy crossed the finish line who heard no sound but saw the flash before the force of the bomb punched him back into the people and benches behind him. So once again, all of the Anticronal ebooks are on sale and I hope that you'll pick them up and take advantage of this special anniversary sale. Thanks a lot.
2: And we're back chatting with Whitney who wrote the working mom's blueprint and um, Whitney, before we went to break, you were talking about how children had to sit with emotions. But let's talk about how parents, because they have a lot of emotions during the pandemic, especially moms because the child care falls on the mom, you know, if they had to work from home, they had to do the double time of taking care of the kids and working too. So let's talk about what mom the how moms sit with their emotions. Yeah, I mean, I think, it's underrated just how much emotion
1: coaching (laughs) that moms need too. Um, There are a couple things that I recommend for moms as part of a larger framework that I call the centered life blueprint, where we kind of have like our priorities in a circle, all the other stuff that has to get done outside of the circle we're trying to push the circle as far mm. out as possible so that all those little things, the laundry and the dishes and all that, they happen, but they don't happen in place of really, really important things. Mm-hmm. And at the very, very center of that circle is you. And I strongly believe that if, and I know that if you do not know yourself and trust yourself and find worth in yourself, You cannot navigate your circle. You can't navigate your life with intentionality. And part of you knowing yourself and trusting yourself and finding value is listening to those emotions, accepting them, taking them as data or feedback as to, okay, there's something that's not in alignment in my life, or there's just a really difficult situation that of course I can have some mindful self-compassion for myself, which means... I understand what that emotion is, I validate it, and I understand I am not the only person in the world with that emotion. In fact, I could surround myself with other moms that are having a difficult moment in the pandemic. Of course we were in-person school was canceled. Our jobs were all suddenly on Zoom. We couldn't go anywhere. We were stuck in the same home with everybody all day, every day. When you're in your home more, you're gonna have more mess, more clutter, more things to do. We had anxious kids, we had depressed kids, right? We were depressed and anxious. I mean, all of that creates such a storm of horribleness in terms of our mental health. And so really paying attention to what are those emotions I also talk to moms about creating times of joy within their day and within their week. So what are things that remind you of what it actually feels like to feel good, right? To feel like this is the truest essence of who I am That's not about performance, about checking off those things on a checklist or getting things done outside your circle of the laundry and all that. That's just about me being me. For me, that's like being on a Peloton, listening to Justin Bieber and Lizzo, right? That's like having (laughs) a time just being totally silly or in my car. I was rocking out this morning to JoJo Siwa, which is like a kid's music thing. I dropped my kids off. They were listening and I just kept on listening to it because it was so good. So those are the moments for me that make me feel alive, that help me remember who I am so that when I don't feel that way, I can come back to say like, oh, well, I do know what it does feel like to feel that way. And I want more of that. So I'm going to make decisions that continue to bring me joy satisfaction that make me feel like I'm headed on the path that
2: I want to go on. So how do you have that conversation with Garrett like you were t- talking earlier about co-parenting your co-parent saying, okay, I can't, I can't handle all the responsibility of the kids, especially when they're home 24 seven now. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so there are some experts that have written books about exactly how to divide up tasks and responsibilities. So like Eve Rodsky, her book, Fair Play, I love that book. It's so good. She gamifies creating equity within households. So check that out for like the how-to of directly how to divide up tasks and responsibilities. But before that, I think you have to have a conversation that's full of compassionate assertiveness. And this is what I mean. Like, I get that we're both stressed. I get that you have a lot going on, a lot going on, but listen. At this point, I am doing 95% of the work in this home, and I am going to need it to be more like you do 70% of this thing, I do 30% of it. You do 20% of this thing, I do 80% of it in order for us to function as a family. Um, And so you're being assertive, saying what your needs are, but also showing up with compassion for maybe the other person has some struggles or difficulties that that don't make it so they have enough bandwidth. I uh, really believe in, with my partnership, we have to be you know, equally yoked for lack of a less like biblical reference, which is just that the two of us are equally pulling the cart down the road. If I am the only one doing it, I am going to grow resentment inside of me. And for a long time, I did have a lot of resentment toward my partner who's a very modern, loving, wants to help out in the family kind of guy, right? But I had to bring to light for him. These things drive me absolutely bonkers or this task that I'm doing, I feel like I'm carrying way too much of the load. I want us to be in a relationship where you don't feel nagged constantly, where I don't feel angry every Saturday morning when you won't go to, get up with me with the kids and you're asleep and I'm handling everything while they're screaming at me, right? That makes me feel horrible. I'm not gonna be as fun as a partner, you know? We're not gonna have as good a romantic relationship. And for our kids, we're gonna set this horrible example for them that moms are martyrs. And I don't want
2: that for myself or Mm -hmm. for my children. Now you just made a point about the romantic relationship. Working moms with that's the last thing they want, really. Honestly, (laughs) they're like, I'm so tired by the end of the day. So, how do you, how working moms navigate that so that their co parent knows that, hey, we need help with this so that you can get this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a
1: totally fair question. And I think it comes back to leaving room for joy. Right, like when I am rested, when I am in a good mental health space, I'm totally into being romantic with my partner. I love like physical aspects of love with my partner or romantic aspects of love with my partner. I want that, I think, just as much as he does. But I know that when I'm burdened and thinking in my head about the mental load of I'm gonna sign my kids up for aftercare and I also gotta pack the lunches, I gotta do whatever. And so we create dates actually for ourselves that say like on the calendar at 9 PM, we have a date with each other. So what do we, Kimosabi, need to do together Mm -hmm. so that that way we are ready for that date. And that means really unsexy things like packing lunch and getting the socks folded for the next day and, you know, making sure that the backpack has the homework in it and all of those things. So I think if a partner understands that actually sharing the load allows you to have more joy and more presence in those moments that you wanna be just a partner, just together, um, that helps a ton.
2: So this brings me to the next question. Um, what about these working moms that are single parents? They really don't have anybody to help with their load. Yeah, exactly. That is
1: a tough, tough situation. In some ways, there are days that I have said like, oh man, this would be so much easier if I was just doing it myself. (laughs) Because yes, I would have to work twice as hard, but I wouldn't have to rely on this other person to be part of it. So I wanna say that for the ones who have partners, right? Like, and for the ones who don't, that is just part of it. And I always am accepting that, that I'm always kind of fighting that like inner little voice in my head that says, just stop having him help because it's actually harder to actually engage him in helping. Um, For the single parents, though, I think having a village around you, and this is true for parents that do have partners, too, having a village of people around you that is not a partner and really that it's not even family a lot of times, it's extremely helpful. If you have family that doesn't have strings attached, that respects your boundaries, that you can call on them, and it doesn't mean now you have a guilt trip for five months, great, use them. But even better is to have a village of other moms that you can rely on either for advice about what to do or for practical assistance. And honestly, that's part of why we started the Modern Mamas Club is because we knew that working moms needed like-minded moms in their same situation. They appreciated their grandma's advice about what to do about colds and sickness and you know emotional development for kids, but they wanted people who were their peers who could actually help them. I was just talking on uh, Instagram Live this morning to my following about what are we going to do when our kids all get sniffles and colds this season? Because they're going to, and the kids will be out of school in a hot second. The second they get a tiny little runny nose, they're going to be gone, right? So what are you going to do? And so, A, not saying that's not going to happen. you got to, like, accept the fact that it will happen as opposed to putting your head in the sand. And two, got to get a Rolodex of five or six other moms that you can be in a text string with to say, hey, anybody that can help me out, and then you be willing to help them out at a later time as well. So really, I think getting that village of other moms around you for emotional support, and then also for practical support for any type of mom, I think that's the number one thing to do
2: so where do we find these moms because i know a lot of people are like i live out nowhere i'm in the middle of nowhere i don't do anything i don't you know where do you find moms like that
1: yeah well i mean here's the deal too some people have different personalities i i Because when I have too many people that I'm around for too long, I'm totally an introvert. (laughs) I love talking to people in larger groups and I'm fine, you know, at my job. But when it comes to having like all of these like acquaintances, that doesn't work as well for me. So I think um, when it comes to your life, if you are not living in a community with other moms, digitally is the way to go, which is why we have organizations like mine. But I think at school, you know, again, return on investment having some conversations with the other moms, even if it's more of like a business transaction type of conversation with them, where you're saying like, hey, I'm looking for some other moms that I can count on because I work. And so occasionally I'm not going to be able to come right away if the teacher calls me to come pick a kid up. You know, for me, there's no way that I could do that. I can't Mm -hmm. drop all my patients in an afternoon and go pick up my kids. So really having pretty real conversations with other moms mom the pickup or drop off or dad the pickup or drop off to say hey um I was wondering I'm trying to kind of build a network of other moms or if your school has an app and it has all of the um contact information for the other moms and or dads and you can message people to say hey I'm looking to try to build a network of other working parents that works too so I think that there are ways to do it without you having to have you know, multiple play dates or wine with people or coffee with people that set this up. That just sounds like ugh, way too much work for me. So I think go the streamlined, straightforward approach that says this is the reason why I'm reaching out to you is really so I can have a network.
2: So let's talk about now we talked about creating a network for moms. Now let's talk about how we take as moms take a break, because normally it's straight home from work straight into doing everything else that for the family, whether it's laundry, dinner, homework, whatever, you know, depending on the ages of your kids, how do moms, how should they take care of themselves? Basically? Yeah. So
1: I think you have to really look at a bigger picture. It, yes, there are moments, even in my life where I don't have five minutes of downtime. I have to just go straight from work, go to pick up, pick the kids up, go, 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 go. But if you consistently build in times where you have even a five minute space in between your professional life and your life with your kids, or better yet, you know, 30 minutes, an hour in between, that is going to give you so much more benefit when you're with your kids once you're finally with them. So you are actually gonna get repaid 10 times because if we don't take the break, what happens? Well, I'll tell you what happens to me. I I pick my kids up. I'm still trying to finish an email or a text message. They're trying to get my attention. I'm still all hyped up from the COVID patient I just saw in clinic that I thought was not going to make it, you know? Um, And so I'm carrying that stress into my home situation as opposed to me having a minute to regroup and relax. And then I go into being with my kids. And so I'm always thinking about taking care of myself about the huge benefit that that is going to give me and everybody else in my family. So I think that's number one in terms of philosophy. And that's why when people say like self-care, isn't selfish Mm hundred percent because it gives to everybody else. I have a regimen that I do three times a week, which is going for an hour, two times in the week. And then once on the weekend to do my thing, that's whatever it is that I want to do. And, um, Sometimes it's exercising. Sometimes it's sitting and reading a book. This does not have to be expensive. Sometimes it's just putting my earphones in. Sometimes it's talking with a friend on the phone, you know, just anything that no one's going to give me a pat on the back for Mm -hmm. no one's going to say, good job. You got something done. It's just for me. And it's in fact like slightly lazy or it's going to give me energy. So usually the two times in the middle of the week are going to an exercise class when I can, when we don't have restrictions. Um, And then on the weekend, it's usually doing something like sitting by myself. And in my house, and for most people, yes, you can do it in your home with your kids present and asking a partner if you have one or other people in your network if you don't have a partner to be with your kids. But if you can physically separate yourself from your kids for that time, that is the because worse for me is I'm trying to have this special alone time and then my kids are knocking, off knocking on the door and then now am even more stressful than it would have been if I didn't take the time
2: at all. Now, you mentioned earlier about movement and then you just mentioned exercise. Let's talk about how important that is for like working moms, especially because that's a way for them to get their anxieties, to get their anger or whatever they're feeling out, their emotions out.
1: Yeah, my goodness. If there were going to be two things that I prescribed as a doctor, as a pediatrician to people, just in general, but especially working moms, it would be sleep and exercise. There's just some studies coming out about Alzheimer's being tied to not getting enough sleep. We know that sleep is important. I have to catch up from all those years of medical training, I guess, from (laughs) not getting sleep for years and years on end. So now I'm catching up on it. So getting sleep helps, right? When we are sleep deprived, especially in the postpartum period, we know that that makes it more likely someone's going to have postpartum depression and anxiety. It's going to get you into poor decision-making, which is going to make everything worse. It kind of compounds on itself. So sleep is number one. And I always pick sleep over exercise. If there's a choice, I'll pick sleep. (laughs) Number two on exercise I want to make a distinction that exercise for working mom's the most helpful type of exercise is not about weight loss or a certain size or you getting to a peak performance or, a, you know, PR on something. It really is about you doing something that brings you joy, you know, something that makes you feel more alive, that afterward it makes you feel more rested. So it doesn't matter what that is. Taking a walk to the local coffee shop, um, jumping on your exercise bike if you have one, I, you know, taking a run, it could be a yoga class, it could be like a little video that you do online, it could be you and your friends going on a hike, or you even with your kids going, you know, to the park, walking to the park, instead of taking the car, right? That all counts as exercise. We just know that when we move our bodies, that that does release more dopamine, that kind of like happy neurotransmitter. And that it does reduce stress, it makes it easier for us to sleep, it makes it so we usually make better food choices. So exercise is super duper important in my book, but not because I want it to be something that's like another task on my list that I have to check off, more because I know when I get exercise, that it makes it easier for me in all the other aspects of my
2: life. So let's talk about sleep, because um, there are some moms that their brain cannot shut off, like they have to be on high alert at all times. So there's some tips Mm -hmm. you can give to moms that are like on high alert and they just can't get quiet or get still enough.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, there's an app that I love called the the Mindful Mamas app. That's amazing. It has actually mindfulness meditations that are designed specifically for moms. So check that out. Um, And they do like a monthly membership or a yearly membership. So, But I like it because it's specifically tailored to us and it has ones for going to sleep. But then it also has mindfulness exercises you can do at other points in the day. And it has ones based off kids' ages and also um, on emotions that you're feeling right then. So pretty cool. The other thing that I recommend is doing a sleep routine. So having it be that about an hour before you go to bed that you make a commitment, I'm going to turn off my devices. I might turn down the lights a little bit. I'm going to like read and cuddle with my kids or by myself, just do something that kind of like takes you from doing all your tasks to actually relaxing. The brain has a very difficult time going from like on, 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 on to off. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, The next thing is getting exercise earlier in the day. We know that that helps with sleep. And then I use a weighted blanket. I love weighted blankets because it makes me feel all cozy. It's kinda like when you're at the dentist and they put that lead little cover on you and you feel like you wanna fall asleep right then. I sometimes need that grounding, that physical grounding to actually get to sleep. And then I also use just a really cheap silk eye mask when I'm falling to sleep um, because that helps me too. There also are meditations and mindfulness um, music that you can use to help you fall asleep as well. So um, that matters. And then lastly, making sure that you're getting in a rhythm, and this is for your kids and for adults. So. If you go to sleep at nine o'clock on one night and then at midnight on the next night, your body basically thinks that, you know, you were started the day in California and now you've flown to New York and you're on a different time zone. So if you continue doing that where you're flip flopping all the time, your body's just really, really
2: confused. It's not
1: going to get the quality sleep that it needs.
2: Well, I love that because the quality sleep is there because a lot of people say oh, they wake up and they still tired when they wake up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So the quality sleep is really preparing your body for sleep ahead of time. Um, there are other things too, like making sure that the temperature is comfortable in your room, making sure um, for a while I had this blanket that was down and it kept on like every single night I would wake up and be all sweaty. So I had to just like put that in a closet. Right. Mm-hmm. And get something, figure out for me what are going to be the things that make me feel really comfy all night
2: long. I love that. So let's talk about mom guilt because that is huge too as well yes for sure so
1: mom guilt is to me just data that our brain is feeding us, right? It's it's nothing more than a message. So I think when we look at mom guilt as like, oh, that's a helpful friend. Thank you so much for sending that message. I'm going to decide if I want to take that message in or not, right? As opposed to like, oh no, I feel guilty. I must be doing something wrong. That helps. So perspective first, always. I talk about mom guilt all the time, and yet I still experience mom guilt. So the goal of trying to minimize mom guilt is not trying to eliminate it completely. It's instead trying to figure out tools and processes you can use when mom guilt comes in. And the number one technique that I use is mindful self-compassion. And then also reminding myself with some mantras about who I am and what I do. So I travel sometimes for work and the biggest moment of mom guilt that I have is when I'm dropping my kids off with somebody else or to a camp or to Mm -hmm. school. They know I'm going to be gone for the next two or three days and they're crying or they're upset or they say like, please don't go. So I've learned ahead of dropping them off the night before to practice that with them to say tomorrow I'm going to drop you off. I'm going to be gone and then we're going to return we have a ritual for when I'm gone so that I always bring them back a little keychain from wherever I go. So that's a really cheap thing, but it allows it to be that like I'm always thinking about them. I remind them I'm gonna FaceTime them every single month, these truths that are that are real, that my husband gets to have really quality time with my kids when I'm gone. He gets to step up and become the kind of parent that I know that he can be, but that sometimes when I'm there, he takes a back seat to me and he doesn't get to be his full self in terms of a parent, that I'm developing resilience in my kids and that I do show up for my kids when it matters and I spend quality time with my kids over time. And then mindful self-compassion comes in where if I'm feeling guilty that I say, I feel guilty. I have my hand on my heart because our bodies actually have a tough time understanding like is this someone else or is it actually me who's putting your hand on your heart so it gives that physical touch and i say i'm feeling guilty right now i validate the feeling to say that makes so much sense my kids want me and they're displaying emotion in front of me Mm -hmm. and i have this professional that i don't want to do and that makes sense that then I would have an inner conflict about that. And then I say, I bet that there is a Coliseum full of other moms that would have that exact same feeling. And then I can problem solve. I can make a decision as a next step. Sometimes that's enough just for me to say, okay, I'm just sitting with that. I'm knowing that it's cool, you know? Or I can say, is there something else I need to do to prepare myself or my kids? to have me be gone or to be involved in this professional endeavor while they're not with me. So sometimes that means that I look back on the week and say, you know, there actually was an opportunity for me to say specifically to my daughter, I wanna spend special time with you right now. Mm -hmm. Let's have an hour. I'm gonna be gone doing something for work. And right now I really wanna dig into you. So that's an opportunity that for next time, I can plan in advance. I can use this feeling of mom guilt to either say, oh, that's just old information and things from prior generations and other people's opinions. Or I can say, you know, that's pretty fair that I feel guilty because I don't think I've had enough time with my kids this week. So next time I'm going to plan it differently so I feel much more balanced. And like I'm giving my attention in a way that feels really
2: aligned with what I want for my life. I absolutely love that. And let's talk about allowing moms to not be okay like it's okay not to be okay because a lot of moms think that they have to have it all together all the time and if they break down it's like a flaw in their character
1: yeah no and i understand that i know why moms feel that way i get it um the thing is our kids know when we're not okay anyway you know the people around us they know when we're not okay um you know, this happens even in medicine, right? For doctors that when we're anxious or we're angry or we're resentful or we're overworked that we end up not being as great with bedside manner with our patients, right? It it has to come out. It's the same thing as with those emotions. It comes out somewhere. It seeps out or it blows up. And so we don't have to let our kids in on every single insecurity that we have or every single, you know, thought that runs through our head, especially about our partners. Not good to do that with our kids, mm-hmm. but it is okay for our kids to see us having a rough time or working through something or being really sad. Um, you know, Saturdays are usually a tough Saturday mornings are usually like the worst time of the week in my family, because my oldest daughter with the anxiety disorder, she gets really kind of like worked up. She spent all this time and to keep it together all week long. And then saturday morning she kind of like lets it loose on us right and everybody wants to have our attention as parents in the morning and it always feels like it kind of goes south like eight times out of ten and so we're constantly working on how to make saturday mornings better but if we don't have something planned or we just are having an off day there are times where gosh it feels overwhelming in in my household and especially during COVID when there aren't as many options for creating really fun activities to kind of mitigate that Saturday morning slump that we all get into. And so, you know, the other day I remember I was in my car and my little one had been really challenging me and I just started crying and I was with my daughter in the car and she's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I said to her, you know, no, like I will be okay. But at this moment I'm upset. I just... I wish we could have it be normal on Saturday mornings and, you know, we'll get over it. It'll get better later on, but right this second, no, I'm not okay. And she just put her hand on my shoulder and said, okay, but if I had tried to hide it, she would have known already, you know, that's why she's asking me the question, are you okay? And so... I think actually when we're vulnerable in appropriate ways with our kids and show them how we work through an emotion or that we're okay with not being okay, that allows them also to not have to put up this fake front or this mask for themselves uh, personally or in their relationships. I want more of seeing my kid's heart, of seeing the deep parts of them as opposed to seeing a shell of them or seeing a mask of them. And so I show my kids also in an appropriate way when I'm not feeling fine. And I'm always encouraging other moms to do the same thing.
2: Because that also helps with the mental health for your kids as well, because they know that it's okay to show emotions. Yeah,
1: it's okay to show emotions. They know that they have a supportive network around them that can handle it, that I don't need them to be perfect all the time or to please me all the time, Um, that I don't need them to perform for me to give them attention. Um, Because sometimes Our can't shape or form that they can get it. And so if we only pay attention to our kids when they're doing really well, then they learn, oh, I better be performing constantly for my parents. I'd better like every single thing they ask me to do. I better do it. If we only pay attention to our kids when they're having a rough time, then they learn like, oh, I guess this is the only way that I can get you to notice me. Okay. I'm just going to like lay it all out there for you. The goal is to kind of be there for our kids in the red, in the yellow, and in the green, right? To be there in the middle ground when there's nothing going on that's interesting, to sit on the floor and play Legos with them, which is why we do special time with our kids, right? Um, and to be there for the high highs and the low lows. And when we show our own emotions, good, bad, and just the
2: in-between, I'm bored too, emotions, that allows our kids to be I love that. Now our time is almost up. Is there any one last thing that you want to share with people, that, especially for working moms?
1: You know, I think the most important thing to share with working moms is that balance is a myth. There's no such thing as perfect balance. So anybody that tells you like, oh yeah, you can like lean in all the way at work and you can lean in all the way at home and you can lean into yourself all the time. And like, you're going to be in this perfect utopia. That is like, not possible. Really, in fact, what is the most healthy for moms and helps them have a sustainable way of being satisfied and centered over time is that instead of doing these huge loop-de-loops or pendulum swings from one part of their life to another is to instead figure out a way to stay centered so that you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to go over to my kids now, to myself now, to my work now, to my kids now, so that you stay a little tighter close to yourself in that center. And that is the key to thriving, not just surviving in motherhood. And at Modern Mommy Doc, we're here to support you on that journey and to know that you're not alone and that we all can use support from other moms. But it is possible to have a life that when you look back, when you're 80 years old, feels like, yeah, okay, I did it. I feel good about that. Maybe not every single moment. On the whole, my priorities Mm -hmm. were there, and I lived according to them.
2: Yeah, that is so true. Now, tell people where they
1: can find you at. Yeah, follow me on Instagram at ModernMommyDoc, and then you can find me on the internet at ModernMommyDoc.com, and that will get you to the club. We'd love to have you join. Our first event is going to be August 31st. We're just getting going,
2: so you'll be there on the ground up. And so let's talk about your events and stuff like that before we go. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So we do live
1: events every single month in the club. They're private events. Of course, we're always on Instagram sharing tips and interesting tidbits and giving encouragement. But the club is really where you're going to get, you know, 45 minutes to an hour with an expert. We have experts that come in and talk about mental health for moms. We have experts that talk about organizing a home or organizing your life or your professional life with moms. We have experts that come in and talk about self-care, that talk about exercise and nutrition and about body mechanics when you're a mom, right? How to lift a kid and not have trouble, We have experts that talk about equality or equity with a partner. We have experts that come in and talk about in the workplace, how can you advocate for yourself or how can you help to change work culture? So we have these events every single month where experts come on in a panel format. I ask them questions, but also moms can actually ask their own real-time questions to these amazing experts that otherwise they'd have a hard time getting access Mm -hmm. to um, so that they can be supported in all of these different areas of their lives. I
2: love that. And your book again?
1: It's called The Working Mom Blueprint: Winning at Parenting Without Losing Yourself.
2: And I absolutely love this book. My girls are, as you saw in the opening, are a little bit older now. They're 19 through 26, but I wish I had this book when they were (laughs) younger because it would have helped me navigate a lot more. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that a
1: lot from from other moms. And I think, um, you know, I think that in prior generations and earlier on, we just felt so like, yes, let's just like get into the workplace. We need to just like do it. We're going to, you know, go for it. And I think that now people are looking to no, I want to navigate a life that's elevated, that has joy. I think that like all those promises of there being like a life that's abundant, that should be, That should be for me too, as a mom. And so I'm always encouraging mom throughout the book and also on the platforms that yes, mama, that is for you. Um, You deserve it just because you are a human being and you showing up for yourself really does matter.
2: I love that. Whitney, I want to thank you so much for coming on and for writing, first of all, writing this book. So helping other working mamas out um, and just for just shedding some light on some of the things that moms go through. Yeah, you bet. It's my pleasure. Hey guys, I will put in the show notes everything we, ch- we chatted about, including where you can find the book, The Working Mom Blueprint, as well as mommydoc.com. And so, once again, thank you so much, Whitney. And as always, be blessed. And most importantly, remember, keep chatting.
0: Chats from the Blog Cabin. We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube.
1: Don't miss your next
0: episode.